means to take your love into this world and just like you did with compassion, with great effort, with persistence for us. Thank you that we have evangelists. Thank you that there are those people that share their faith. And Father, help us as a church to mature to the point where every single person in this room is sharing their faith. Would you, Father, just please give us your wisdom. Help us to mature to that point. To the point where we can even make disciples of every nation that's here. Especially here in this country of Poland. So, Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's foundation for life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I think, can you hear me with that microphone? Okay. I wanted to try something this morning in regards to what is important in our life. And so it's going to be some interaction feedback. So I'm going to need your help with this. Um, so what, we'll just start with this. What is important in your life?
day is, is things that are important to us, things that drive our life, are people. And I think what I hope that we come away with the sermon today is that people are the most important thing that we have on the face of this earth. Despite all the other things that are important to us and everything that drives, it was if you have your Bibles, if you open up your Bibles to, to John 3, 16, 17, and 18. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, and 18. If you have a Bible, you can share with someone. It says, and I kind of want to unpack it, unpack this verse, and we'll do a lot of unpacking of, of Bible verses this morning. But it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So we read the verse before, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Put your finger or your pen or, or whatever you have to write with, and I encourage you guys, write in your Bibles, take notes. If we look at, for God, because of his love, for the world, for you, for me, for everybody outside the, the Sheraton this morning, he did something. Look in your Bible and see what he did. There's a word. He gave. He gave his one and only son. And I love this next part. And this is Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, the forgiveness of sins. It says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I was sharing with some Polish students down near the opera house just after Easter, and we were going over this first, and I was asking them about, you know, Poland, it's celebrating of Easter, and everything was closed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I said, so according to this verse, what do you need to do to be saved? And one kid's like, oh, there's too much that you have to do. There's too many things, too many like religions that you have to do to, to be saved. And the other guy looked at it, he says, whoever believes, he's like, is it really that simple? Believe? I said, yeah, according to the scripture, this is what it says. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. To understand since Adam and Eve's fall, it wasn't that Adam and Eve killed somebody or, you know, stole something. They disobeyed. And because of the disobedience to God is a result of, of sin into this world, the fall. The Bible says that for everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glory. And it says for our sin, the payment or the penalty is death. We saw the equation. It's one out of one. Death entered into this world. There's the physical death and there's this, the spiritual death, you could call it being separated from God for eternity. So God did not send Jesus to condemn and crush the world. 
He sent Jesus to save the world. To save the world through him, to save us. And it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because sin was, it's already here. We're, we're sinners by nature. We stand condemned already. But because of Jesus Christ, we're not condemned. So, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. I think this is where it divides a lot of people, divides a lot of religions, is that people say, well, you don't have to believe just in, in Jesus to get to God. There's, there's other ways, there's other means, there's other religions, there's avenues. They all lead to God. And this is quite strong words that Jesus spoke himself, saying that I'm the only way, I'm the only truth, I'm the only life, that whoever believes in me will not perish. There's no other name given to mankind that we might be saved. And I really want us as a church to come to an understanding of what the Bible says about our salvation. And we just finished last week, we finished the book of Ephesians, and we spent about six months working through it. And it really helped me in my faith mature and grow. And I hope it helped you in your faith to mature and grow. And I just want to backtrack just a little bit so we can move forward. And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, so you can flip with your Bible over to chapter 4. In Ephesians, starting in verse 11, Ken preached on this. If you were here, he gave a great sermon. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So we're being equipped for works of service so that the body of Christ, which is us, other people who are Christians, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I'm sure as we talk about evangelism, maybe some of you guys have met evangelists. And there's some great evangelists, just like there's some great pastors, there's some great people. But there's also on the other scale, sometimes people claim to be an evangelist, but yet have no love of of God in them. And you can tell by the way they they preach or how they want your money. And uh, I just, we had the privilege of finally getting satellite dish into our house. And I couldn't believe how many quote, Christian channels are out there and how much Christian information is out there. But as I begin to watch some of these channels, there's one guy, he's like, hey, you know, I am Master Prophet uh, Jonathan or something like this. And uh, he's like, isn't it funny how prophecies and prophet sounds like prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. And so if you would just send in your seed offering right now for $30, you will be blessed and God will give you lots of money. 
Wasn't it funny how Jesus had 30 years of his life when he started his ministry? So send your $30 now. Or, you know, for $37, send me your money and I will send you this free miracle spring water. If you just drink it, then God will bless you. I'm not really finding this in the Bible. And I think it's important that we go to, to Scripture to be able to not be infants, tossed back and forth by the ways, because I guarantee you they have the money to stay on TV. People are following these people. They're giving their money, you know, and everything else. But rather, we'll be mature. We'll speak the truth in love, and we'll become a mature body in understanding what salvation is. But we really want to help you understand at Posen International Church, it's great to see many of you here. Uh, I'm about to celebrate my wife and I next week. It'll be 10 years that we've been in Poland. And during that time, we've seen the church come. We've seen the church grow. We've seen the church serve. And we've seen the church go. And so when we started, I don't know if there's one single person in this room that was there when we, when we first came to church. So this is a church that's on the move, and I think it's important for us to understand no matter where we're going or where God is taking us, that we come and experience God. We come to truth. The truth will set you free, and the truth is what we desire. The truth is what we want. So we want you to come to God. We want you to grow, that you are equipped as a saint, that you're equipped as a person in God's word, in your life. And that as your life, as, as, as you grow in life, then naturally you begin to, to serve God, not out of a, a religious duty or anything else, but out of, out of a love for God. And in that process, you'll go and help the next person share the truth with them. They'll come to God. You'll teach them to obey the commands that God has taught you to obey. Then you'll help them to be serving alongside of you or, or something different and help them then to go and help the next person to come to truth. So I think it's so crucial, and that's discipleship making as we teach other people the commands of God, but it's so crucial that we open our mouths and we tell people about the importance of truth and God and salvation. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone else tells them? So we would like to move forward uh, and tell people about Christ. And I think many times people have questions. And sometimes it can be intimidating because maybe we don't know the answers. But that's okay. We can look for the answers. We can pray for the answers. We can find the answers. There's several examples in the New Testament where people, you know, were reading like the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was sitting in his chariot and he was reading. And Philip came up to him. Came up to him. This is in Acts chapter 8. He says, you know, how can I? He's like, do you understand? He's like, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. They explained it, and then he was baptized. If you know, in John chapter 9, the healing of the blind man. Uh, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered after he was healed. He says, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. But because people opened their mouth, they went somewhere and said something. Romans 10, 17. Write this down on your notes. I'm not sure if I put it in your handouts. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. I'll read it one more time for us. So faith comes from hearing, 
that is hearing the good news about Christ. <clears throat> and I want to share with you share with you just three things to remember as you go about sharing your faith with somebody else. The first one is, you can write it in your notes, the first spot there is, is compassion. And Jesus had compassion on the lost. He had compassion on me. He has compassion on you. And he has the same compassion on the worst sinner in this world. 2 Corinthians 5.18, we already read it earlier, says, Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. We've been sent to speak for Christ. Our mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission when he was here on earth. Jesus spent time with the sinners. He did not spend time with them in doing sin, but he spent time with sinners. You know, and every single person has sinned. Some people we might try to categorize as, oh my, they're prostitutes, they're drunkards, they're, you know, thieves, they're murderers. What bad, bad people. Their sin is sending them to hell. Well, the same sin that we commit is sending us to hell the same. But we have Jesus Christ. They need to have Jesus Christ. Their sins can be forgiven. Because, lot, because God loved, he gave. And Jesus, you can read the New Testament as he hung out and went to the homes of, of cheaters and thieves. The tax collector, you know, with the prostitutes. Spending time at the well with the, the woman who had five husbands, the adulteress. He had much, much compassion. And I think sometimes as a church, I'm not saying just us, but sometimes as a church in general, we really judge people. That same grace that God has extended to us, we don't extend it to other people. And we become very judgmental on people. So I want to encourage you guys, compassion, compassion, compassion. Yelling at people, <laughs> judging them to hell. I didn't see Jesus doing that. Jesus had a righteous anger against hell and against sin. He loved people. The second thing I want you to write down is with great effort. Great effort. God has given us a privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled with him. And we get to work with God. We get to represent him. We are, in fact, co-laborers with God. Telling other people how they can have eternal life is probably the greatest thing that you'll be able to tell somebody ever. It's better than maybe the school that you can recommend. It's better than the best cure for the best, the most aggressive cancer. Having salvation, our ratio one to one, one day we'll die. Everyone will die. But with the hope of Christ, when we stand before God in judgment, God will see us through Jesus Christ, and we're saved. Great effort in our prayers. Patrick had a great sermon about praying for each other. And last week after we finished the sermon, I encouraged you guys to be praying for one another. And I saw many of you guys praying for each other. So thank you. That's a great encouragement to be praying for one another. If you were to think of your, your day, and you can even count before you pray for meals, how many minutes do you say you would pray throughout the day? Two minutes, five minutes, 60 minutes, 120 minutes, three hours a day. But think about how many minutes that might be, 10, 15, 20. How many of those minutes are dedicated to be praying 
for the person that doesn't know Jesus Christ. It takes great effort to be praying for the lost. There's two parables that Jesus gave about the shepherd who lost his sheep. The shepherd made great effort to leave the others, but to go find the one that was lost. Or, or the woman that lost a coin. She made great effort to find the coin. We need to make great effort to introduce people to Jesus. He traveled around. Many of you guys are not Polish, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm not Polish either, but God has brought you here to Poland to reach this people group called Polish people with the gospel of Christ. Now, some of you guys are Polish. And we talk about the ends of the world that Jesus commands us to go out into the all nations. If you're Polish, just take a look around this room. Not all nations are here, but there's a lot of different nations. There's a whole bunch of internationals here in the city. Reach them for Jesus if you're Polish. Internationals reach this country for Jesus. I think there's 35 million people in Poland. There's another 22 million people around the world that are Poles. So internationals, you got great job security while you're here in Poland. Reach Poland for Christ. The third thing, so we have he was compassionate, great effort in sharing the good news with, with, with others. And the last one is persistence. Be persistent. Over the past 2,000 years, the gospel has been preached around the world. Disciples have been made, and people have come, and they continue to come to Christ. But just as the shepherd didn't wait for the sheep just to, to come back or, or the coins just to fall back into the purse, these people were persistent until they found it. Matthew twenty four fourteen says this. It says, The good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world to every nation. Then the end will come. Then the end will come. Jesus is coming again. And he will once and for all judge righteously, judge with justice, and separate what is the wicked from the righteous. We're our claim to righteous through Jesus Christ. God is persistent and the good news will travel throughout the whole world. And you're a part of this. You're a part of taking this good news throughout the world. As an international, maybe you thought God brought you here for work. Good. I'm glad you have work here. Poland needs Christ. You know, there's on your handout, there's a little, uh, another like little equation kind of thing, do that thing whatever it's called. So I want you guys to take a look at it. When I was in university, I worked for a telephone company, and I did door-to-door sales, and it was quite fun. Um, I worked just maybe 15 hours a week, but I made more than my wife when she was teaching uh, full-time at her school, so I really enjoyed it. And I realized that the more doors that I went to, the more doors that I knocked on, the more money I made. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'll go to more doors. I'll go to more doors. I'll knock I'll make more money. And so I want you just to think about, <clears throat> I'm not going to do this, but if I was to give you 100 zawadi for every single person you would just share your faith with, how many people could you share your faith with? 100 wadi. You don't have to convert them or baptize them or anything just so that they can hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. If I was to give you 100 zawadi for every single person, how much money do you think you would have? So I want you to go ahead and do this. I did it. 
It was, I, I, I became very rich. So go ahead and look at it. Take some time. I even brought a calculator. I'll grab it. All right, so the number of people. Does anybody have five or more people? Only five? What's your number? A hundred people a day. Okay, it's possible. It is. A hundred people. So, okay, so what is that? A hundred, this should be easy. A hundred times a hundred is what, 10,000? 10,000 times, let's just say five days a week, you have weekends off. All right, 50,000 zwati a week, right? You got 50,000 times 54 weeks. That's 2.7 million zawadi in a year. All right, what are some other numbers? How many, how many people, really, realistically, do you think you can, you can share for 100 zawadi a head? Five, ten, ten. So ten people times a hundred, that's a thousand times five, that's five thousand. Five thousand times fifty-four weeks, it's two hundred and seventy thousand zawadi. It's like a hundred thousand dollars. That's pretty good. Especially in Poland. I, I give myself ten ten people. I feel I can do I can do ten people. That's not a problem. The Bible says as well, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I think to myself, the more doors I can hit, the more money I can make. It really gets me excited about sharing Jesus Christ. (laughs) I can make quite a bit of money. I could be a great missionary. I was motivated by money to do more. I don't know if you were motivated by money, maybe to, okay, yeah, I can really share with like maybe 10 or 100 people. Not a problem. But I really think our, our heart needs to be the same heart that God has and that it's compassion, it's love for the world. And the reason that he wants the world to be saved is because he loves us. And it's not about the money. It's about the love that he has for us. And I'll wrap it up with this. We want to have the good news of Christ. We want to be compassionate with great effort. We want to be persistent. We don't want to be driven by anything else but the love of God. It's not driven by anything you might see on on TV where they just want your money. It's by the love of Christ. And maybe you might come to ask a question like, well, what if they don't want to listen to me? What if they don't care? (laughs) What if I've already shared with them and they've listened, but they really don't decide to follow Christ? Should I speak slower? Should I yell louder? Should I do something to get their attention? And I would say Jesus gave us two great examples of when we come to situations like this. One, when the disciples were going out to the the villages, he said, if there's no faith in that town, to shake the dust off your sandals and go on to the next. If there's people they don't want, they're not interested, they don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ, you can share with them, but don't badger them. You know, you can continue to love them. God will draw them. One day, I hope. But don't nag and nag and nag them. That will just frustrate them. It will frustrate yourself. The harvest is ready. It's plentiful. 
but the workers are few. Find the people who want Jesus, but explain to them the gospel. The second thing is, is if you've already shared everything you know to share with your mouth, is live life as though you were saying everything and say nothing at all. And we'll address some of these issues next week and the following week where we'll talk about how do you share your life with your family. Maybe your spouse is not a believer or your children aren't believers or your parents or how do you share your faith with them without coming across judgment and condemning them. God's words cut to the heart. And I know it's very frustrating for people when they hear, okay, I can't continue to live for myself, but rather I live for God. But share the good news with them. And when you do it, it's just like real estate. The most three, three important things of real estate is location, location, location. When you share your faith with someone else, give them grace, give them grace, give them grace. The same grace that God has given you. All of us have sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. So we're no better than they are. We're saved. Um, to the believer, if you're here and you're mature in your faith and you're sharing your faith, good. Keep going. Be strong. Continue the effort and continue to share because people are dying and they're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. We want to populate heaven. If you're a believer and you're not sharing your faith, then we want to equip you and encourage you to share your faith with other people. How can they believe if they never hear? We want to help you share with them. And I'll finish with this last verse. It's from 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17. And this is from the, the message version. It says, In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like the stench from a rotting corpse. This is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it? No. But at least we don't take God's word, we don't water it down, and then take it to the streets and sell it cheap. We stand in Christ's presence. When we speak, God looks us in the face. We get what we say straight from God and then say it as honestly as we can. I think it's so important for us, as we read last week, pray for us, pray for you, that we may speak boldly the truth of God. Without Jesus, there's no hope. There's no way to God. And the world is perishing. And there's many people that need Jesus Christ. And so make sure you're here next week and the following week. And we want to equip this church. We've become mature. We've become equipped to go out and reach people here where we're located in Poznan and other cities and suburbs for Jesus Christ. So would you please, let's stand together and let's just pray. And also, or maybe one more thing, just before you stand, there's the, the triangle on the bottom of your uh, page. And I think of when people are coming to Christ, there's God. He's already involved. He's done all the work. There's your name. And there's another person here. 
I would like to encourage you to put that name of the person that needs Jesus over here as a reminder to be praying for him. So just maybe think, it could be a parent or a spouse or a friend, a stranger or somebody, but you can put their name in there as a reminder to be praying for them, to make great effort to pray for them for their salvation. So let's stand, let's pray for these people, and let's close our time in, in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth. But Father, I thank you for life. And Father, I, I confess, I really don't want to die. But I know the statistics. I know what sin has done to this world and the death and the destruction. But Father, I'm so grateful that I can know 150% that if I was to die today, that I would be with you. I thank you for the promise and the assurance of salvation. If we put our trust in you, we'll never be put to shame. But Father, too, I pray right now for those that are not saved, some in this room. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God. It's about love. It's about grace. It's nothing that we've done to, to earn our salvation, but it's everything that you've done through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, for the, the people that we wrote the names down on our sheet, or the, the ones that we're thinking of in our hearts, whether it be family members or friends or, or even strangers, acquaintances, co-workers, Father, help us to show this compassion that you've given to us with grace and mercy and love. And, Father, help us to make every effort just to tell them about the good news. And, Father, help us to be persistent as we spend our time here in Poland as internationals. We can reach this country for Christ and help people understand and realize his relationship. Father, help the Polish people, too, realize that all these internationals here that have come from all different nations, are to be reached, to be sent back to their homes as missionaries. So, Father, thank you for your truth. Help us to mature as a body to make a positive impact in this community. Thank you for forgiveness, and thank you for love. In Jesus' name, amen.